Hey folks, welcome back. Dr. Nicole Truesdale here as always. I'm your host and guide for my podcast, Abolitionist Dreamscape. So welcome. So we are in episode nine, y'all. Episode nine, we're still going. I'm still here, sometimes barely, but I'm here. And this time, um, this is a two for one in a couple of different ways. This is an extended episode because I'm in conversation with Laura Chung of the Awake and Align podcast. This is a joint venture between me and her in which we're talking about what I'm calling abolitionist astrology. And so this is also an extended episode a little under two hours as we go through all kinds of things to make sense of the present day. And if you follow me on my various platforms, so here on my podcast, I've also got a Patreon, I got a Substack, but also my social media platforms like TikTok, YouTube, and IG, you know I talk a lot about breaking things that don't work for us, that break us away from our humanity. And in doing so, as we break, we must also dream, we must conjure, we must think of new ways of knowing and being. But we can't dream of new ways until we truly understand what is keeping us confined in the present day. And so astrology is one tool at our disposal to help us make sense of that past that has been fed to us through a colonial lens. The outer planets give us all kinds of different ways to re-examine the so-called times that we are fed that keep us in these loops of these kind of linear progressive models of history that will always center the colonial. So what happens if we break that? And for me, this is what we're talking about, me and Laura, or Laura and I, I should say, in this episode, as we go through different transits, but also really putting that in historical context and asking the question, what can the stars, planets, and zodiacs help us understand about this present moment so that as we move into these kind of futures, because the outer planets are all changing signs over the next two years, this is a transition period. So what are we reviewing? What are we reflecting on? What are we believing? So that as we move into our futures, we know that it is up to us. We have the capacity. We have the ability to break this shit so that we can actually sit in our humanity. So I'm going to stop there. You got two hours of Laura and I talking to get into. So please stay with uh, stay with the episode and let me know what you think below. But before I turn it over, I do want to say again, thank you all for the support. Without your support, both um, both in the kind of likes and shares and engagements along with financial, I couldn't be able to do what I continue to do in the public. And so if you want to learn different ways to um, work with, um, with me or to listen to me in different ways or read about what I'm doing, you can see, so, uh, see, see, how in the show notes below, okay? And also um, real quick, on December 10th, I'm having my next virtual salon conversation on what is justice for the ancestors. These are intimate spaces online that I curate for black women, queer and non-binary folks for us to be in community with one another while we're also exploring different templates. And again, I do this through an abolitionist lens that engages astrology, anthropology, and the ancestors. So you can see more about that below, okay? And as always, um, continue to like, share, and follow for more, and continue to also dream, y'all, because it is through the dreaming that we can actually come back into a different understanding of what it means to be human. All right, now next, let's go to the conversation. Hi, Dr. Nicole. How are you? I can't help myself. I have to call you doctor. It's okay. I I actually do prefer it in, in uh, kind of these settings. So thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, this is a collaboration with Awaken and Align and Abolitionist Dreams, um, Dr. Nicole's podcast. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Do you mind if I read your about on Spotify? 
Oh, no problem. <laughs> okay. I just love the way you wrote this because I can hear your voice speaking. <laughs> Come on a journey of navigating humanity in this dumpster fire that we call society with me. Dr. Nicole Truesdell, a 40-something ex-academic deconstructing and shedding all confining systems of my previous life. Such a Scorpio rising statement. I talk about coming out late in life, astrology, emotions, relationships, the raggedy space we called society through an abolitionist lens, spirituality, ancestors, Orisha, and anything else I am led to share. This is how I dream in the public. So come along with me as I create my abolitionist dreamscapes. I love that. And you make me laugh, literally, <laughs> your content. I'm glad. Like, I'm naturally very lighthearted. And like, that's, I'm really childlike when I'm allowing myself to play. So I'm glad it makes people laugh and also think. Yes, because you're a Leo son. Yes. Yes. So do you mind? And North Node. And North Node, do you mind sharing your big three and how that shows up for you? Yeah. Um, so I'm a Scorpio rising with, and I also like to say with Uranus in my first house on my rising as well. Um, I'm a Taurus moon, um, also with Chiron on my Taurus moon as well. And then a Leo sun with my North Node there as well. Wow. So I love your podcast, by the way. And my favorite one was actually the first one because it, really explained why I resonate so deeply with your words and your content, because I also have Uranus on my ascendant and I also have Lilith in my first house. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And why your content just like speaks to me because it's, it's real, it's raw, it's honest, but it's also hopeful at the same time you give very practical ways that we can deconstruct and it's all around love and healing. Yes. And thank you for speaking that back, Laura, because I think sometimes people miss that if they only get me in the TikToks in three minutes or something, the, the, that's only just kind of the appetizer to really get us to open up to the possibilities of what dreaming really can look like if we allow ourselves to actually go into our imaginations once again. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, because we live in capitalism, right? And it steals our childhood. Um, that's stealing our childhood means we steal our humanity. Like it, it's like, it's given up to the altar, right? Of society. And so for me, the only way we can come back is if we also bring in laughter and childlike things. So if you listen to me, you're going to laugh. If, you, if you're in my presence, you're going to laugh. Like, cause there's a way that we have to bring joy in as a way to make space for our dreams. Mm -hmm. And in that episode, you mentioned that, well, you mentioned Yemeya and you mentioned the pandemic, which was another synchronicity for me because during the pandemic was my racial awakening and how, and how this country has just, and continues to oppress black people. And, and, you know, there's a little shame and guilt there that it took me that long to understand the levels, right? Because I knew, you know, I grew up in New York. We had riots around um, Black Lives Matter before, and I considered myself to be very racially aware, but it wasn't until that time that I saw how deeply embedded it is in our consciousness. And that was the same time I met my friend, Anita Kopach, who wrote a book about Yemeya and the healing waters of the ocean, 
and the healing aspects of water and the, you know, goddess of Yameya. And I just thought it was such a synchronicity because you also had sort of an awakening during that time. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. So it was, so when I, it happened when I moved to Brown, when I got the position at Brown. So I was an ex academic, right? So I was assistant vice president for campus life. It was the worst job of my life. <laughs> Please don't think them institutions are nothing but raggedy ass places. Honestly, you've all you got to do, you go in there to look all nice and new. You pull that white tablecloth up. It ain't nothing but mold and shit. Honestly, it really is. And I learned that firsthand. Right. So when I was there, um, it was interesting too, because I really do feel it was my ancestors. Um, so when I got there, I started getting back into my metaphysical practice. I was heavily into metaphysics um, back in my early and late twenties. And I kind of um, teetered off and then came back into it. So when I ended up meeting my now God brother, um, cause he was a reader, a tarot reader, he introduced me to my Godfather. And it was at that first conversation on the mat. And this was before the pandemic. So this was going to be at the very beginning of 2019, 2019 broke me. So that was the big thing. 2019 completely broke me and I needed to be broken because I had to be broken open. And so when I went down to the mat and was with him, that it was when Yamaya first came out. She was very strong. Now she does not have my head. And what I mean by that is in my tradition, we have certain Orisha that will kind of claim you as a child, essentially. So they, they are on your head. The waters don't have my head. They have my feet, but the waters kept coming. So it was Yamaya first and then Oshun over and over and over again, asking me essentially to feel and figure out that my feelings, because I have very intense emotions too, right? I'm very, very emotional. Like Carl Thomas and Mary J. Bush had a baby, right? That's me. So <laughs> let's be real. But I didn't know what to do with them because I was also told to not express them my whole life, right? So I'm six foot three. And I say that because when I did have emotions, people would be like, okay, you need to just kind of put that bed away. So being on the mat and listening to them talk and they were like, no, you got to feel, honey. And if you don't feel, you really are going to break. And then I broke because um, I had a awful experience at work. And long story short with that is um, I had to let a director of one of, I was in charge of seven student centers. One of the directors I had to let go. I don't like, I never had to let somebody go. And it was a long process. And I only reason why I had to let this person go was because it was students, staff, and administrators who kept coming and complaining about serious, egregious things. Went to the whole process. As soon as I let him go, Every single person, including the students who initiated the issues against the director, the faculty who initiated the issues against the director, and both of these are places that people that came to me and asked for funding to do work that they wouldn't get funding from, from the director of that center, along with um, other kind of key administrators completely turned on me. And when I say turn, I mean, it was a, it was six months of doxing, protesting. I would have 65 people deep in front of my in front of my office with video cameras. I had I had a town hall in which I completely um, got railroaded by the staff and it was the staff of the center who also had brought up the issues to me about the director. Long story short, I got played, all right? I can take an L. I can. I will admit when I can take an L. A bitch got an L that hey, I got my ass handed to me, okay? Yes. And as I, and there was actually the month, the month that it was the most uh, egregious, like when it was really palatable was actually during that, I realized it yesterday, it was during the, the conjunction of sun and Mars in, in uh, Virgo, which mm -hmm. rules my 11th house. Mm -hmm. so I had massive group protests. They would never come one-on-one -on -one because they told me that literally I got told that I was too smart to talk to one-on-one. -on -one, so they would come deep in groups, right? And so that's all leading up to this point of, of Yamaya. So yes. 
Um, so I was broken. Like when I say I was broken, I was broken. Like my heart literally was ripped out of my chest and stomped on over and over again for six months. And it was all in the name of transformative justice. That's what I was told. This was justice, right? And I realized that, and I was so committed to the ideology and the concepts of justice that I was blinded. Like I kept saying, well, no, this is just part of it. And so we're working it out. Like I wasn't allowing myself to believe the reality that I got played. Mm -hmm. right? I wasn't allowing myself to believe the reality that it was folks of color who were literally enacting some of the worst anti-Blackness that you can experience as a Black woman who was once to become in and people say, listen, listen, listen. They were all great listening when we did all the transformation, all of the budget, all of the money making. But then when they didn't, but when they had to suffer the consequences of what they enacted, it then became a scapegoat. So by the end of that semester, I wasn't, I'll be quite frank. And so this is, I'm, I'm fine, y'all. I'm going to preface this. I am fine. Do not call nobody. I'm trying to show you my story, okay? By the end of that time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to live, quite frankly, um, because it was, there was, it was like my whole world had shattered in terms of who I thought I was, who I was in community with, even some of like my closest friends um, who weren't even part of the school stopped talking to me because I became a pariah, right? Um, and I realized how precarious these spaces were. This wasn't community, this wasn't justice, and I wasn't even allowed to express myself. And so that's when I went to the water. And it was at the end of that time. And actually I was in Hawaii before then in November and for a conference for the American um, American Studies Association. And it was actually being on Hawaii. I never talked about this actually, being in Hawaii that, and I didn't stay in Waikiki. I didn't stay like where the tourists, I was, we, I was with my family um, and I stayed about an hour away. I didn't realize how far it was, but it was more where um, local folks live. And I rented a place from a local Hawaiian on Airbnb. And so we were right by the water and that water is angry. And she has every right to be. So being there and feeling the land and listening to the water and seeing how angry she is, and then also having to drive around that island and you can't go cut across because it's occupied. Like it's literally the U.S. base is right in the middle, taking up the most space and making their presence known. Like I kept saying over and over again, this is occupation. Like I just kept saying it to my ex-husband. I was saying it when I went to the conference. I only went to the conference like two of the days to like physically, because I was more interested in talking to folks who were locally and also just experience, because I'm an anthropologist. Like it was like literally me realizing like, this is straight up an occupation, like what Nate has been talking about for forever. And I had read about this and I had done a lot of ethnography on it, um, but seeing it really was stark. And then also listening to the water there and hearing and feeling the anger, the love, but also the anger, right? So when I came back, and it was like the final straw that I had gotten some of the staff um, of younger staff of color wrote a medium article. They, I kept, people kept doxing me. They would email the, that was getting emailed. They were emailing the, the president, the board of trustees, the faculty of Africana, the fact that I was affiliated with the faculty of American studies, the faculty of the trying to newly emerging native American studies. Like I'm in conversation with these folks. Like I was trying to build with these things and they were trying to remove my name. And the last straw was when my boss um, basically left me out to drive. People were, didn't see him so much. They thought I was the VP. Mm. That's how much they didn't even see him. And I was like, I'm not, I, I, I was like, I can't do anything without approval. I had to get approval from all these folks who also said they would have my back. And the minute that shit turned, they ran away. Mm -hmm. So then when I went to the waters that in Florida, 
for Christmas break, that's when I broke. And I, I remember walking in front of the water and just looking at her. And I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, and I was like, just crying. And it was like, I'm broken. Like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know. I don't want to live. And the only reason why I want to live is I have a kid. And the only reason why I'm doing that is because my kid is trans. And I was like, I'm the only one right now that will at least make the space and refuse for anybody to not allow them to be who they are. And, but I didn't know what else to do, honestly. I didn't know what to do. And so when I came back, this is where ancestors really are smart, mm -hmm. really are smart. Because there is a hierarchy. And when I say hierarchy, not in this kind of, no, there's not a hierarchy. That's the wrong way to say this. There is a logic to the other side, right? And you have to go through your ancestors first. The ancestors, because they are the ones who were born, who are, who are human, they are the first line that you have to get permission for. And you have to give them permission too, so that you can also get to the primordials. It's why people say ancestors first for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Well, I had to give them permission, but I'm stubborn. I've got three fucking fixed signs. I didn't know that I needed to do that, right? So- <laughs> It's like, damn, I didn't know that. So at the water, when I said, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. That was the opening. That was kind of what I call a slippage on the other side. Cause they're always finding loopholes to um, how to help us. Right. That's so why like, they, they will find a loophole. Like, bitch, you said that I'm gonna yes. go right you gotta be careful what you say. Right. And so <laughs> when I came back, it was a miracle. And I can actually say this was a miracle. I got, I was sat down by the provost at the time. Um, cause we had a meeting ahead of time before I left. Um, cause I looked like shit too. People were like, are you okay? And I said, no, like I hadn't slept in months. Like I literally couldn't eat. I wasn't sleeping and I was just congested and like inflamed. My body was just revolting. So when I came back and meet with him, cause I, I, cause he had been protested in his first part of his job. So I was like, maybe he can help me out. Like, and he looked at me and he was like, you're experiencing anti-black racism. That's all there is to it. He's like, you could have done some things yet differently, but really this isn't on you, but it's been put on you. And so I want to offer you, and he's like, also, it's, it's not a good fit. You're not, it's not a good fit in campus life. You want to come over to academic affairs. He's like, I can give you 18 months, get you, you can, and that can kind of give you some kind of space to figure out what you want to do. Which is like, and if you want to, I can help you put a good word in somewhere else. Um, Cause there's a couple of jobs, X, Y, and Z. And I looked at him. And in my soul, it just said, bitch, take that money and run. Cause it, it cause I was, I was tired. I was tired. Like I didn't realize how tired I was. So because, so basically when I asked him, yeah, that I couldn't do it anymore, it opened up the space for the ancestors to make things move. And so, um, I took the contract I had to sign an NDA. I don't even know that shit's probably void by now, but it was a way to save their ass. Um, and honestly, I didn't care. I didn't care. I needed to save me finally. I realized that I had been trying to save everything and everybody else. And I neglected me to the point where I, when I would order sometimes for my staff, I would forget to order my own food, mm -hmm. right? Like, cause I wasn't thinking about me. And finally, it's the first time that I was required that I could think about myself. And so from that point on, um, I ended up teaching, taught a couple of classes there that went really well online. Cause again, the pandemic had started, um, after, after I had find signed the contract to move over to campus life, I mean, to student affairs, academic affairs, I had a semester before I had to teach again. Cause that was, that, that was too far in the season, um, in the fall or the, the winter to teach. So then I had all, I had this time finally, like I had time, I hadn't had time like that. And this is the lesson of Saturn, right? Like Saturn's like, if I give you time, like you're going to really understand what time is. Mm -hmm. and, and so when I had the time, I realized I was so used to filling it up. I had no idea how to be with myself. Mm -hmm. Like my calendar went from packed. I mean, when I say I was packed, it was packed and it was never enough. 
if I wasn't, I was there at 745 in the morning after dropping my kid off, usually the first one in daycare, which I always hated. And then I would be there sometimes till eight, nine o'clock at night because I had to go to all these events to show my face. Even though when I was there to show my face, there was also a place for people to talk about how I represented power so that I got ignored. Like there is a way that the utilization, especially of Black women's bodies and in institutions is a trap because when we get into quote unquote positions of power, then we become the location of people who want to thump on power as well. It's literally a catch 22, right? And so this is why I say when you're in the master's house, he will always use you for his bidding, even when you think that you are remaking those tools. And I really thought it, I thought I could remake those tools. No, them fucking, the tools are us. They will remake us, right? And I think we don't realize that we are the tools. We are the commodity, not our commodities or our minds, our body, what all it is, right? So when I started to have the time back for myself, that's when I got deeper into my practice. And so I was doing, I was very consistent with my, um, with my ancestral veneration because I had consecrated shrines. And when I would go to my godfather um, to talk about this and we would do the divinations because I was always like, I need more protection. I need more protection, whatever. And finally, Oshun is like, girl, you don't need no more damn protection. You need to sit with your damn self. Like you need to sit with you. You have to feel. So that's when I started doing my old house in Rhode Island backed up against to a uh, state park. And that those woods really healed me because I would then just basically go for long walks, sometimes with my kid and the next door neighbor, sometimes with my dog who passed um, last year, some a lot of time with myself. And I would just walk those woods. And there was this creek that was there that I would walk through. And sometimes it was dry. And then when spring happened, you know, it started to flow again. And I realized that she was like the water was talking, right? It was showing that there are seasons of dry, but also seasons of plenty but the water still knows it has to flow. So it was like, you got to flow, Nicole. And then the trees would talk. If we actually stop and listen, nature is always talking and showing us, right? And that and our, nature is Orisha. So that's another embodiment of Orisha. So um, long story short, sorry, I can go on tangents. Uh, but the, the long story short is the waters were... The waters have my feet. So the waters have always supported me and I had to let the waters support, which means I had to let go. Like I had to literally be broken because yeah. I didn't know that I wasn't allowing myself to break, if that makes sense, right? So you can get so fixed, you don't even realize that you're holding on. So I yeah. was holding on so much after all that bullshit, right? After all that bullshit, I told myself, listen, Nicole, all you got to do is just get another job offer. Then maybe you can finagle a teaching position at Brown. When other people looked at me like you lost your goddamn mind. So I went for a God, I had a job interview. I'm a finalist. Like I'm a, a one or two of a new center out in Colorado. Didn't want that day. I was, that was a trap too. Right. But I'm like, no, if I get the offer. Right. And then uh, reading said, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Didn't get it. Right. And I looked at that and I realized y'all really, y'all really ain't going to let me go back. <laughs> you're not going to let me go back. And I literally heard, no, you asked for your freedom, fool. Yes. Well, talk to me like I talk. So they were like, you asked for your freedom. Like you asked us. And that's when I learned from the crossroads. Don't ask us to open up roads for you and then turn around and say, oh, but not that way. You yes. asked for freedom. So we're going to help you find it. Right. And I think that's what we have to realize is that they, that's why I say they're smart. They're really smart. They trick us into our own elevation, whether we want to or not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that you said that. And in some ways, when you let that go and you started to share on, not that you were letting it go right away, but you started sharing on TikTok and you started to have your TikTok career, I guess, 
And then now it makes sense why it doesn't seem like you're afraid. You're somebody that I ask for advice. I drop into your DMs, you know, I ask you, how do you handle it? How do you handle the annoying people, the trolls? Because the content of your, the content of your content is inflammatory. It triggers people. I, I think on purpose, you know, that Uranus and the Lilith, it makes people, it forces people to look at something deep inside of them that is just being mirrored back to, from you. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel, I don't know if you feel the same way that that whole experience prepared you for this. Yes. It heavily did because it also let me know it broke a lot of things, right? A couple of a few things. And honestly, it's funny you say that because the, the projection is real, right? I'm in human design, I'm a five one. And oh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a, a lot of things. Ah, see, see, that's five lines still, yes. right? And so that makes sense too. The three five makes sense. Um <laughs> But that also kind of gave me another language, right? Of like, if I'm going to, if I realize I will always be, there's always going to be a projection aspect, right? Then, and this is where also Oshun helped me with this to understand this a bit better. And Shango, um, who rules fire and has my head, is that it helped me realize then if I'm going to be the projection, that I'm going to make sure that I bounce that shit back off of you back to you. Right. So if I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be your mirror, you will, you can put it at me, but I'm not going to hold it anymore. I'm going to speak back then. This is, that's not what I said, but this is what you took. So then maybe you got to look at that. Right. And I realized that's because shit, I already died. Mm. Right. That's the thing. I already went through a complete social death. And I've always said this, and I'm writing about this more is that there's multiple ways to die. Yes. There's multiple types of deaths, right? And many people are actually a walking dead right now. Like you're disconnected. And so you're just going through the motions of what you think is life, but you're not really living, right? We also have people who are literally dying, but we also have those who are pushed to the margin so much that they are also going through and have lived and living in a waking death themselves, right? This is what you can really think about as we think about like necropolitics and the ways that only certain bodies and certain populations are seen as having full humanity. So we already are experiencing the ways of death and different ways of death in the public that is called life. And so for me, I realized if we just acknowledge that we're not fully living because we're not allowed to live, I've already went through a social death in which everything around me left, right? Like I have nothing from my former life. There's nothing left, including people. So this is also not some kind of I never want to give the fairy tale for people that this is easy. Like this is also can be very lonely. Like I'm rebuilding a whole life so that I could, because I couldn't, no one could come with me. I was a different person then. Right. Yes. Um, but in that kind of social death piece of it, I'm like, well, then if I want to live, then I have to be me. Right. I have to. And then I have, that's what I'm figuring out. This is me. <laughs> this is a lot more me than anything else. And so my words will be, when I speak, my words are with love and with truth, but we live in a society that has fed us delusions and lies, right? And told us that's what comfortability is. Mm -hmm. And so there's a way that I'm not going to lie. I am afraid. Sometimes like I, I have like 200 drafts of my TikTok. Like I've 200, like this video. <laughs> I realize I'm like, God damn, Nicole, what the hell are you drafting this shit for? But it's, but it's also because certain things I'm like, I'm not even sure if I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm not even sure if the space is, can even comprehend it yet because 
I'm also somebody that is visioning out yes. in a way, right? Yeah. So that we can dream. And we don't like dreamers in this society. We say we do. We say we like visionaries. We say we like innovators. But the visionaries and innovators that are applauded in society overall tend to be those who just remix what already is, but put a new kind of face to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's where my like your content really resonates with me because- so I'll just give you a little background story of what I've been coming up with these last couple of weeks, because my 11th house is Libra. I have Mars, Saturn, and Pluto in the sign of Libra. I have a Saturn-Pluto conjunction in the sign of Libra, and Mars is debilitated in the sign of Libra, and it's, you know, the South Node is there. So I'm kind of going through that public fall right now where... I was afraid to take a stand, Mars and Libra, because I didn't want people to get upset. But at the same time, it was killing me inside because I have, I have my moon and Venus and Aquarius. I'm a humanitarian. I'm somebody who sees the vision. I see a vision for the future that people now don't quite understand when I'm talking. It's like, I see something, I see what's possible, but what it's going to take for us to get there is completely dismantling what we have, yeah. like the death. And so, for example, when I'm out in like parties and my friend is like, I work for this company that's uh, pro-Israel. And I said, how could you work for a company like that? Like my moral compass just could not like, I would rather, and this is coming from a place of privilege, I know, I would rather not work than work at a place where they were, they were consciously and intentionally murdering innocent people. Like, I just couldn't do it. And so my other friend chimed in, she's a Libra, and always playing devil's advocate was like, you know, obviously mentioning my privilege, but saying like, there has to be those of us who are revolutionary within the system. And I said, you know what? I don't agree with that because we're just recycling white man's world. We're just recycling white man's institutions, their schools, their yeah. dreams, their vision. I say we take ourselves out and we build our own stuff because the more we keep giving them our labor and what you just said about the black body as a commodity just like reaffirmed how I felt intuitively that the, but it, there's no room for us. They don't care about us. Yeah. They never <laughs> have, they never will. So when I talk about these things, people around me think I'm crazy. Cause they're like, well, what do you want us all to do? Like not have jobs. What do you want? You know, but I'm like, how are we ever going to change if we don't have skin in the game, if we yes. don't sacrifice something, if we don't get afraid and start facing our fears of losing yes. a job, losing social currency or credibility mm -hmm. or something, we, we have to risk this because there are people who are dying. So I'm kind of going through this right now where I'm, I'm getting censored by an organization that I work with, a nonprofit I'm, I lost friends already. People yeah. have unfollowed me. People have said I'm anti-Semitic. 
which the whole conversation around that. And honestly, I've finally come to a place where I don't care Mm -hmm. because I've, I'm so more in alignment with my values and my core beliefs at this point that I release control to my ancestors and my guides that whoever has the same moral compass as me who sees the same vision as the future will be attracted to me because I'm making it loud. I'm saying it out loud this time. And that's where I've been journeying through these last three weeks. No, but that you said a lot. I want to pull some things apart. You said, because it's really good. And it's actually um, pointing out, going, getting to a lot of different things that we have to face at this moment. Right. Because the one thing that I've always found frustrating is the lack of, because we are an anti-intellectual society that defunded education over its space and time while also pushing technology and the internet coming through, just because we, people have more information at their hands does not mean they actually have more knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that when we people use words like privilege and that's in that session, in that kind of context, it doesn't make any sense to me. What is privileged about realizing that you are being exploited by a system that doesn't like you? Mm-hmm. Right. What the hell is that privilege? I think that we 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 sit here and we try to and I, I'm taking the kind of universal we. Right. We sit here and we try to logic our way into why we are OK with with um, authoritarianism, with subjugation, with um, watching a ongoing genocide being enacted and seeing in real time the manipulation of media trying to get us to buy into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody pushes back, it's like, well, you're so privileged. We're not privileged. This is the thing. We think we are privileged in terms of our positionality. The American industrial complex and the imperialist core is what is using nonstop violence to enact its will. And it is fed back to its citizens that somehow we are living in the land of milk and honey. So therefore, we should just be grateful for what we have. And if you push back, then you are somehow um, showing a privilege. What is being privileged about being exploited by a system? Yeah. Right. And when you actually see and acknowledge that, right, there is going to be a breaking. And so I think this is really interesting, too, because this is exactly what Saturn and Neptune retrograde have been trying to ask us in Pisces. Are you going to actually look at the stories you've been told collectively? Do they make any sense? Does it make any sense to say you can be a revolutionary within the master's plantation and house? And what has history told us about that? Mm -hmm. Right. What is what have what have our what have those who have passed already tried to show us that shit don't really work too well. We keep seeing over and over again, our so-called revolutionary leaders of the 60s who went into those institutions are now the ones who are touting the status quo line and telling us to fall back in line and letting it and telling us that representation and this idea of us showing that we can be like those who subjugated us means that we're somehow changing something. And we have to ask the hard question, is that true? Mm. Has that really happened? Right. And this is where I say we have to interrogate history from a perspective of the present to ask ourselves, what are we learning them from what they did? Not replicating it willy nilly. What are we learning from so that we can pivot? But then when you are afraid to ask the question, when you are afraid to ask the question, because it will force you to have to look at your assumptions, your foundations, your floor that then may crack, that becomes the location you understand where your conditioning to a system is, that is you are actually replicating. That is a harsh 
damn truth. But it is one that we have to face right now because literally that is what Saturn's been asking us to do for five years. When Saturn was in his home planets are signs of couriers and Capricorn, yes, pandemic and the like. But Saturn was also telling us your life is finite. Mm-hmm. You think that you can sit here and hustle and grind and do all this shit. We didn't tell you that the stars did not tell you that Capricorn meant capitalism, right? Y'all said this shit. So let me put yeah. my ass in my sign and tell you exactly what Saturn and Capricorn means. Yeah. You have finiteness of your life. You think you're going to sit here and hustle and grind and be on Wall Street? Fuck your Wall Street. I'm going to come top of that too, right? Mm-hmm. Everything you took for granted or took for as somehow um, the norm, Saturn said, I want you to reshift that because what happens when I shut everything down and give you time, mm-hmm. give you time to believe what is going on, give you time to reflect upon what it is, what are you going to do with that time? Right. Because now Saturn's been in, in Pisces and people are like, people say, you know, Saturn's in like Pisces. I get that. But I actually argue this. Saturn is tired. Saturn <laughs> is taking his damn break. He is swimming in the waters. Right. Because he's like, because mm-hmm. I am now going to ignite some shit when I go to Aries and I'm taking Neptune with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the deep waters, the subconscious, the collective unconscious, the illusions we've been fed, the type of and then the deep waters, we have to remember the current of the ocean floor runs counter to the top. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. Neptune retrograde with Saturn retrograde is like if I pull back all of this and have give you all some time to real, I'm going to slow shit down because Saturn retrograde is going to slow it ever down. I'm going to slow it down and have you see what's really going on. Are you ready to run counter to the norm you have been fed? Because when we move over into Aries, this is going to ignite some shit. We are going to be igniting what you have been taught and what you have been asked to examine, right? So then when we think about privilege, we're not privileged in the terms of the sense of having any kind of life. We're privileged in being consumers of other people's shit. We're privileged in so-called reaping the kind of benefits, if we're going to be going to call it that, from a colonial project that is ongoing in nature, both internally settlerized, but also externally imperialist. Do you want to be a part of that shit? Right? And I think as folks who are the descendants of those who were also used and brutalized by that system, our ancestors are like, y'all, really? You think capitalism is going to save you? How is capitalism going to save you when capitalism needs your goddamn body to do it? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a body, how can you actually, so again, Saturn, your mm-hmm. body is finite, your time is finite. And then Taurus in that last kind of North node, right? With Jupiter and Uranus there is shaking it up saying, and guess what? Not only is shit finite, but you can't even do this by yourself because guess what? If you ain't got no damn food to eat, your body can't do nothing. Yeah. Right. If you have no access to things that are supposed to just be there for all, what then does it mean to enact, enact change in a society that is making it very abundant and clear that it wants to confine us in our understanding of materiality, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And I think for you also, I just want to say last thing, sorry, I go on tangents, but- Oh, please go on tangents. I love tangents. I go on tangents. <laughs> Your kind of 11 fifth house access being activated right now makes sense because if your fifth house is an Aries, right? So I'm hearing that right. Yeah. And I'm a Aries sun. 
Okay. So that makes a lot of sense because now it's like, what does it look like to actually stand in your own sense of self and power? And not only that, but in doing that, what does it mean to be human? I actually argue this. I'm going to write about this more, but, and this is not, and if other people have written about this, let me know. But I argue right now, because of the fact that we have lost and have had our childhood stolen from us, there was no ability for us to actually understand what it means to be creative and naturally, just to be playing and, and being in that kind of sense of self. So the fifth house, our fifth house becomes a location that we can understand how to become human again, mm-hmm. because it is the house of childhood. It is the house of self. It is the house of creativity and where Venus finds her joy in the traditional sense, right? Where Leo is in the modern sense. Either way, it's some childlike shit and yeah. it's pleasure, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's creating. And so it makes sense that you're coming basically into well, how you want to express your humanity, right? Um, especially with Saturn and Mars together, that also indicates having a really harsh child, like it indicates having harsh parental, like a father figure, right? It indicates having cruelty in one way, shape or form that became foundational. So what does it mean to shift and transmute that in a way that allows you to come into a sense of self that you can own because you know, you can actually parent yourself. Oh my God. This is why I love astrology because when I, when I look at my chart and also my father's chart, it's like, oh, this was our soul karmic lesson, right? Because he has his North node in Aries and South node in Libra. And it's that it's him being, you know, violent and him going through his own trauma and me not really having a childhood because I'm a, the first daughter of immigrant parents. So I kind of had to like parent my parents and myself and my Mm -hmm. sister. And it's this, these eclipses are helping me to reclaim my childhood. Mm -hmm. And like you said, joy and pleasure as a form of activism and resistance as well. But when I learned that I was like, wow, how do I even embody that? You know, as a 41 year old person on this planet, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying. (laughs) And I think this is what it is. I think we're all trying because we realized how much we weren't allowed to, but also now how much, if we don't do it, then who's going to let us do it, right? There's no permission being granted, but ourselves. And so I think it's going to, this is where we have to realize, like, this is going to be a messy ass bitch. Like this is going to be messy, right? This idea of transitioning crossroads, figuring out different ways. There is no formula to this. We have different templates we can draw from the past as we learn from them and understand them, but we're bringing that into a new present and and a new kind of foundation that we're also breaking. And I think this is where I get frustrated when people want to push back on different types of learnings, not just for me, but my other folks who are asking us to question and dream, right? The first question is, what do we do? What do we do? Maybe I don't fucking know. (laughs) we can put a bunch of things down, but that's the thing we're trying to figure out is what, yes. what, what does it do? But you can't go to what we do until you've actually said in your humanity and realize how unhuman you've been. Right. You know, like, and that's part of the thing. People don't want to do that. So there is time here, right? Again, Saturn comes back. What is time then me? If we take it back, it's going to have to be remade. You mm-hmm. cannot force, right? You're not going to be able to just do one thing. And then the thing is, how, what's our, what's our relationship to quote unquote failure? If it doesn't work the first time, do we understand, okay, well, that's an experience that we have to learn from to figure out what to pivot. That's when you go right back to what was, because we already know that shit don't work. Right. Right. So do we actually believe our realities and in believing our reality? I tell you this over and over again, whether it be clients or just uh, in my teachings and in anything else, like if we actually believe our realities, there is no way you can go back. No. Right. 
So then you're, you're kind of, you kind of made a choice. You've made a choice then you're going to figure something out and it's going to be messy. And so part of that mess, I think is trying to allow ourselves to figure out what we actually enjoy and like, because that's, what's going to help us figure out who we want to be with. Right. Right. We don't even know what community really is. No, but I think that's the whole North node in Aries is everybody being activated within and not asking other people what they should do that. We live in a patriarchy where everyone's like, what do I do? And we don't need some white dude telling you what to do. We all have the power within. It's Chiron and Aries as well. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the thing. We've all been wounded. Ourselves have been wounded, right? Because we live in capitalism that took the self. It took the body. It first took the Black body and the Native body and any other body. When I say Indigenous, it's Indigenous across the world right? It is an indigeneity across the world. They came in and took other people's shit and then put their processes on top of it. And the one thing the European was good at, especially the British, they were good at figuring out local understandings of difference and then exploiting that and putting a European or a British understanding of hierarchy on that difference, which then has embedded itself over space and time to the point now we can't even see our struggles are related because we have bought into this idea of a hierarchy in one way, shape or form. Yeah. And so we buy into this idea of privilege in a one way, shape or form that is really distorted because yes, there are privileges we have, but again, the privilege is not actually yours. It is actually, it is, let's be real. The privilege you have is not yours. It is given to you when the state wants to give it to you. Right. It's right. Safe. That's what we don't want to acknowledge. This is why whiteness is so good at maintaining as a power, especially through those who claim themselves to be white or those who are aligned themselves with whiteness. You ain't got to be white to be white to be an ally of whiteness, right? We know that shit um, pretty, pretty plain as day. But when we don't realize that that is conditional, whiteness, it will give you whiteness. It will give you the category of white when it wants you to, but when you don't step and fetch, they will take that shit back. And we saw that in 2020, especially in Seattle with those protests, them cops bashed them white folks over their head, just like they would black folks. Yes. And I think that was a turning point for some folks realizing what true state violence is, mm-hmm. right? Because you, and this happened in the 60s too. This is the thing, y'all. There's a way that history is made short and confined for a reason. History is a tool of power of the project, a colonial project. It has to make, it has to use history, twist it, and then feed it back to you so that you believe that this is the old natural way for quote unquote progress, right? In the 60s, when they were doing the um, freedom rides down, down south, right? You have folks coming up from north, a lot of white folks, Jewish folks, and black folks went down south to work with the freedom rides. There was well, that one famous picture of that white, um, young white student who had, when he walked out the bus and he had his head bashed over and they have, and it's just it's, it's blood coming down. He actually went to Beloit where I was an undergrad. So he came to the school and talked about that because Beloit actually sent a bunch of folks down to freedom ride. And it was a really enlightening conversation because one of the things he said was that there was a strategy on the bus. They knew good and damn well that if it was black folks coming out first, they were going to hit the violence first, but that it wouldn't be, it necessarily wouldn't be believed because people of the North weren't really believing the violence of the South, right? That was also something too, similar to right now, right? Right. Or believing it until they see it. So they made a concerted effort for white folks to go off first. He said he would go off first, Right knowing that he was going to most likely be met with violence, but also knowing there's going to be photographers there, mm, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. This is this is where King and Malcolm sometimes like really did butt heads because Malcolm accused Martin of using women and children in the front line, right? Mm-hmm. Before in order to, and then basically that's it. Malcolm's like, you don't do that. Put the men first, right? Right. But there was a strategy behind having people having to humanize right. the violence being enacted, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you humanize? You you would think women and children, but if you don't see black folks as human, then that that doesn't necessarily work. They put them hoses on right. them kids. They were kids. They were kids, y'all. Bridges was a little girl who had grown ass people throwing and screaming at her to go to school. I want us to remember that they were children, right? But when it was with white folks, when you saw that white man get bashed over and it made the headlines, that also ignited and got some change going on, right? That's when we started seeing a turn. And I think we have to realize that these things are conditional. The privileges you think you have are conditional. You lose that high paying job. Can you actually afford all of that shit that is making you successful? All that privilege, what it told you was that the more money you make, the more worth you have. But the more money you make, the more you have to show it off. So you got to have a house. You got to have that car. You got to perform those privileges. But you are not guaranteed that position. Look at what we're seeing right now. They even said over and over again, the economy needs unemployment. Not the people, the economy. Right. We're being told over and over who is given personhood. So if we actually believe all that and you realize that the minute you don't have that job, maybe you got some savings, maybe you got something, unless you really do come from generational wealth, right? Unless you really have that line, then your privileges will stop and start with that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Right. So then are you really privileged then in that job? Right. You don't own you. They mm-hmm. own you. Yeah. Right. So then what, so then if we can really examine then, then what is possible and what is it about the structures in place that keep us beholden to it? They broke our families, right? They broke the idea of what family means. They broke the idea of what community means. They broke the idea of what aid and kind of general engagement is. And I think that's what we're trying to come back to is what does it mean then to rethink who we are so we can figure out who we can be in community with and realizing that we have to get comfortable with difference and we're not comfortable with human difference at all. We're comfortable with conformity, which then allows us to accept authoritarianism in one way, shape or form. Hence why we have a democratic president right now and starting the enacting some of some very quite frankly draconian censorship laws that as long as they continue to go through the next president, whether it be um, a, a Democrat or Republican, the, fu- the foundation is laid for censorship, mm-hmm. right? So then what are we, so then is it, so it's not, this is also something too. If voting is one strategy, that is one strategy, y'all. That's one, that is not the only. And that's what people are trying to get, at least I'm trying to get across. You cannot stop and start the conversation at a fucking presidential election, which happens every four year cycle. Yeah. Every four years we're here. And I did this in 2016. I had a panel about um, before the whole Trump election, because it wasn't looking good because I was in Wisconsin. Hillary didn't bring her ass to Wisconsin. Okay. She didn't, she didn't do the campaigning she should have done. She was arrogant. She was arrogant. We need to acknowledge that she was arrogant in her supposed ability to have the populist vote. Mm -hmm. 2016, I did a panel as part of a series I started through my office called Get Woke. It was a way to bring national issues home so that we can actually embody and embed our knowledge. And the panel was um, what um, the complicated nature of voting. I was trying to ask the question about, okay, why do we vote? And if we do, what is its efficacy, right? They didn't like that question. 
the poli-sci professor, black man on there talking about, and then he wanted to argue with me about what genocide was. Like he literally was like, what happened to black folks is not necessarily genocide. It's, it's something else. And I looked at him, I was like, you have lost your damn mind. You have lost the mind, right? And he was trying to lodge, it was an intellectual conversation. And I'm like, I'm not intellectualizing this. I am saying what is. We live in an apartheid state. Our bodies are commodities. This is an ongoing genocide that is slowly choking us. So then can we ask the question, what else can we do besides just talk about voting, right? If it's only, if it's one thing, and they keep taking away our rights to even do that, <laughs> right? With the gerrymandering and all that stuff, then what else can we do? But see, when you ask the question you don't want to answer, this is what allows reproduction to go, right? And so I think that this is the moment that we are being asked, you can do nothing but dream right now. That's the thing, right? You can't do nothing but dream of something new, but you can't dream if you don't sleep. You don't sleep if you want to grind. You can't grind. You know, you're trying to say like all of this, the stealing of our rest, and this is what Trisha Hershey's work is, rest is resistance. The stealing of our rest is intentional. So intentional, yeah. Right? You keep up sick and ignorant, all they're going to do is go back and conform because all they can see is that they are sick and they don't have the kind of the knowledge that allows them to question. Or even if they do question, it goes back to like, I pay my bills. Yes. Right. Yeah. So Saturn broke a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Trisha Hersey has Jupiter and Pisces. And I think that, uh... that Pisces area of your chart is really asking you to like stop, shut up, rest, because Pisces is infinite possibility. There isn't yes. just one way. There isn't just a two-party system. It doesn't have to be this way. Capitalism is not just one way. Like there are so many things that we can change, but people are just so binary thinking. They think like, this is all we can have. And we're just, you know, like, we're just going to elect president Biden. Cause this, he's the lesser of two evils. I think he's evil, evil now. I yeah. think we can all agree. So it's like, that is why this is so important. The dream work, because we need to see like that there are other possibilities, but we're never going to get there. If we're just like apathetic and saying, that's it, you know? I don't know if yes. this, yeah, I don't know if this is a good time you want to talk about Pluto and Aquarius because I know you have a lot to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yes, I do. Um, but yeah, and this is exactly this is that's a perfect lead-in, right? Because that's exactly what it is, right? Because this is how power moves and operates. We have to understand what power is. Power is a structure. It's a it's a structure that needs to both and consume our bodies, our minds, but also our spirit. It's a very spiritual warfare aspect too. And I talk about spiritual warfare a lot, actually. Um, in the context of the colonial project. Mm -hmm. And if we think about when the last time Pluto was in Aquarius, you know, that was what, 245, 50 years ago or something like mm -hmm. that during the quote unquote age revolution. And there's a way you got to always be careful about whose lens and whose sight and whose stories you are privileging when you want to analyze history, particularly through the astrological um, lens. And I find um, that if we go back in time and actually look at those um, stories, again, this is what Saturn and Neptune and Pisces are asking us to do retrograde. Like the minute Saturn's in Pisces, he's basically saying, y'all better get serious about these goddamn stories because it's some bullshit. Y'all collectively buying in some bullshit. And I'm trying to tell, again, I told you, so I'm just going to sit here, right? And let y'all feel. So, so Pluto and Aquarius, right? We get fed these stories of the revolutions, American and French all the time as the embodiment, but they always miss Haiti. 
mm-hmm. right? People but they say to- Haiti, but they don't say like what happened to Haiti 250 but- years after. At all, right? And so yeah. for me, I start with... I start with the plantation, those who were on the plantation, those who were forced on those plantations, right? And if we look at the age of revolution that way, and Pluto and Aquarius, we saw nonstop slave revolts throughout that period, right? But we're not told or taught that. Why? Because we are using the side of the the colonizer. We are using the side of the oppressor who made themselves the oppressed in the collective imagination, right? So this is power, how power manipulates the humanitarian aspect of Aquarius for its own end games. We've got to be careful about Aquarius. Aquarius does not necessarily mean that you actually are empathetic to humanity. You're just a humanitarian. But what is the definition of human being used in that concept? And then how are people buying into that idea of human to enforce a humanitarianism, right? So if we understand that power is taken over the concept of the human, because this is part of the colonial project's justification of why it could go in and leave that peninsula. Europe is not a continent, y'all. It's a fucking peninsula. It's a peninsula yes. of Asia. Okay? Yes. I love that you brought peninsula. that. Okay. You want to be so separate. But so they're... separate, but you're not. And you have no natural resources anymore to actually support your own people because you decimated your own lands for so goddamn long. That's why you over and everybody else's shit, extracting it and then making them less human and justify your supposed humanitarianism, right? So that if we go back to the original stories that we are told, how the hell can people sit here and think these revolutions, American and French, brought us democracy when the whole damn reason they were funded is through the slave trade? Yes. That's what always has killed me. Like yes. the revolutionary thinking. And this is why I first, the first book I did for my Patreon last year was Ebony and Ivy, because I situate, um, cause I love that book because historically, because it situates the construct of American freedom making through the U S university system, because you have to understand something. The nation state had to be pre-imagined. This is what Benedict Anderson calls imagined communities, right? That was one of the first books I read back in undergrad. I read that book five times throughout my actual training because it was foundational through anthropological lens of the creation of the Western nation state. And so there's there's way we create these these states by imagining these communities. Hence why we don't know what community really is, honestly, because it's been imagined for us. And it's imagined for us in these mountains through bounded nation states, so borders and boundaries, through a supposed shared language, supposed shared culture that usually comes through the things of iconographies like flags, right? That's why this fucking flag is so important. That is a European thing. They put a flag there. That means that it's theirs. Yes. Did you want to doing from here? Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, I got a flag. What you mean? We got people. I got a flag. We got people. My flag. You know what I'm trying to say? Like all yeah. of a sudden, because that's the imagination of the European, the colonizer that says now this is a remade land, right? So when we think about then those stories and the revolutionaries and the universe through the university system, right? Because again, I'm an educator and I look at these things through institutions. The institution of education became one of the biggest justifications that solidified and gave legitimacy to the construction of the U.S. state. So, and who funded those universities? The goddamn slave trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They actively, folks from Harvard, who were, and they were all reverence too. This is where spirituality comes in. The first pro presidents were reverence. These were, these were religious institutions. Mm-hmm. Okay. They actively went down to the Caribbean. And to the deep South, because that's where the money was. So they couldn't get the money from King George because George was like, bitch, I want y'all's money too. And they were like, no, we don't want you to have whole taxation thing. And the Boston Tea Party, that was rich folks talking to rich folks. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was rich gentry merchants who wanted to be the new king. So they went down South 
they even wrote about this. They called them planters ignorant. They called them slow. They hated their religion. But guess what? They like that money. Mm-hmm. So when you bring a master to the table, who else is he going to bring with him? He's going to bring those he's enslaved because that is the money. That is where the capital comes from. Mm-hmm. So over time, you saw reverends who were anti-supposed abolitionists end up then owning people by the time they they, they left, um, they, by the time they died, mm-hmm. right? So we have embedded within this revolutionary thought. And these were also many of them revolutionary thinkers. They were being influenced by the Scottish Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Enlightenment thinkers. Who were they influenced by, y'all? The goddamn Greeks and Romans. Mm-hmm. All this shit is a rinse and repeat. They got their ideas of liberation and democracy making and citizenship by looking at the so-called Greek Roman city and Greek city states and their concepts of citizenship, and then you know the kind of re- Roman revivalism that came up heavily during the 17 and 1800s. Their imaginations are this big. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Okay. We just doing a rinse and motherfucking repeat, okay? So, so back in time, right? So Pluto and so Pluto been in Capricorn. Pluto said, "Who the hell told y'all that this is what a viable power?" He's like, Pluto's like, "I told y'all I do death and rebirth. I didn't tell y'all to have this shit this long. I didn't yeah. told you that this is what power is. And who told you power is supposed to be stagnant like this?" Yeah. So Pluto took his our asses through Capricorn and said and you thinking you think Capricorn is wolf on Wall Street bitch I'll show you what Wall Street is <laughs> right yes right and it, it started to collapse but did we believe it right we told the Occupy folks they were crazy mm-hmm. now there was a lack of honestly there's a lack of some things around there when it comes to the races embedded within them but at the same time that was a movement from the from the percent of those who were being under powers thumb mm-hmm. right and so that was the, I think that was about the beginning when Pluto went to Capricorn, honestly, is when the kind of stock market. Yeah. 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 Right. So do we believe what the stars are saying? This is why I tell people, y'all got, this is why I don't ascribe to the outer planets. I do not give them the zodiacs because that is not their function. You're right. missing the duality of the inner planets. They have to have a duality. So mm-hmm. the outer planets are really us trying to give us a higher octave of mm-hmm. of knowledge of of the collective and also a power looks like they're like baby we have been here and i think it's not and i also think i gotta look at the dates and laura i don't know if you know off the top of your head mm-hmm. um but even how the outer planets came into consciousness of the human right is there a, Pluto. see and then before that 17 something was neptune i think or 18 something wait it was either 1871 yeah 1871 was Neptune or Uranus, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's no coincidence to me that the outer planets revealed themselves to humanity when they were like, y'all got, y'all fucked up. Yeah. I don't know what y'all doing right now, but this is not work. Y'all, y'all need to see mm-hmm. us and y'all need to learn some shit, but we didn't learn, right? We just ascribed more yeah. power labor onto it and capital onto it. So now Pluto's ending his time in Capricorn, right? All this shit broke. Right. Pluto said, you're going to understand what true power is. True power is the ability to transform. Yes. Right. That Mm -hmm. is true power. So then what does power mean when you understand it that way? The power truly is with the people because this is about a population. This is about a collective. Right. Right. So now he's saying, I broke some shit. What y'all going to do? Well, Lord Aquarius. Aquarius is like, okay, then what does it mean to be human? What does a collective look like? Right. Can we actually allow ourselves to, because the Aquarius is a water bearer, right? It pours the water out. 
But what waters are you swimming in? Hence Neptune and Saturn in Pisces, right? What are the collective waters you are swimming in? And they need to be remade to be poured out anew. So I think this is about as what does revolution mean? It's like, what are we pouring out? But you can't pour anything out that's new if you are still holding on to broken shit, right? So I think Pluto is going to continuously break. And the thing is, we can either flow with it or we can remain stagnant. But the thing is, Uranus is telling us over and over again, baby, only thing that's constant in life is change. You may not like me, but I don't give a damn. I'm still going to do me. I'm going to change, right? So, so when you don't want to do it, you call me chaos, but bitch, I'm the only thing that actually likes you right now. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's so funny because Uranus on my ascendant, I have it in Sagittarius. I'm just so used to it. Like it's embedded in my body. I'm like, okay, it's happening. It's right. It's happening whether we wanted to or not. Right. And so what happens if we actually work with the spirit of change? Right. What if we actually embrace chaos as actually freedom making? Right. Yeah. Right. Because Uranus is also the revolutionary rebellion. So you can't, and this is also, I tell people, stop calling down the revolutionary ancestors if you ain't about that life, because oh. you're, you're twisting the words at this point. They are, and honestly, this is where I do appreciate the story of Moses. I really do. That is a good mm -hmm. ass tale of talking about, you got to know what your role is, right? right? This is about a collective. You might be the one breaking shit, but you may not be making the promise line because you don't need to be there. Because the point is to make the space and open for other populations, other generations, the one who will become the new humans as we become the ancestors, right? We yeah. have to have some kind of training and knowledge about how to help them. So if we're here to break shit, we have to also understand Saturn's telling us shit does take some time, right? You are hopping timelines. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to understand your timing of life mm -hmm. and then realizing that's part of a larger spectrum of a collective's timing of the human, right? Right. Yeah. And what I find interesting is that Pluto is going, it went through for 15 years, a Saturn ruled sign Capricorn. It's an yep. earth sign. And now it's going to go into Aquarius, which is another Saturn ruled sign, yes. but it's air sign. And Saturn in ancient times was a wealth God because it was an agricultural God. It was all about wealth found through the soil and it, I honestly don't know why any other astrologer hasn't even said this. And I'm sorry if you have, but the fact that this country, the United States was built through the hands of enslaved people, literally through their hands. Okay, let's just think about that. Centuries of people building this country up for free in yeah. such a violent way. And yeah. then the land being decimated through settler, settler colonialism and erasing the indigenous people. Like that was really what Pluto and Capricorn, I think meant for the US Pluto return. Uh, like, yes, there are astrologers who talk about it being like the death of Wall Street and you know how we're going to dismantle certain systems, but that's again through like the white, lens or the the western lens but from my perspective i was like how does anybody not give land back and reparations and then you're going to mm -hmm. spend the money to then do it this, to the same do yep. the same thing to other people and their land yep like what and call and that democracy call it democracy and what i find like 
an evil ironic twist is that you know Aquarius rules things like technology yep and then literally there's a genocide happening in the Congo where the people are being forced to mine coltan a mineral called coltan which powers our devices yes please yes Yes, absolutely. I completely and 100% agree with you. Absolutely. And this is exactly why I say that the ancestors are allowed right now. And what is justice for our dead? Like that is exactly why I'm going to be leaning heavily more into what does it mean to have justice for our dead as a form of reparations? Because they were never allowed to have their true stories told because we weren't told that we were not actually taught the brutality and also the reality of enslavement and also the constant again going back to what we were saying earlier and what you just said the constant resistance because our hands were in the soil are and i said this in another i think it was a tiktok but i think my last podcast episode where i said the land never asked to be witness to and have to soak up the blood of millions they never the land never asked that and for me, the trees never asked to be co-conspirators in nonstop lynching of Black folks, right? And other minoritized folks that the state felt they could just go ahead and do vigilante. And the, the land never asked, the trees never asked, life never asked for this shit, right? And I completely agree with you 100%. This is why I think Saturn is so hard, like so heavy, right? Mm -hmm. on, on a lot of folks who are really trying to decolonize and deconstruct with astrology is because Saturn is saying like, there is no ability for you to ignore this anymore. Mm -hmm. This is power and it is killing you. And it could also, depending upon how you see Saturn, I think in the ancient way, the Saturn also rules the margins. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So what makes us think that a planet that is about that life <laughs> and rules the margins ain't here to help us get the strength and the conviction and the faith in ourselves to realize that we have every right to take this shit back and make yeah. it in ways that actually make sense for us. I think you're absolutely right. And I think this idea of this idea of wealth through soil is brilliant because it allows us to understand that you cannot disconnect from nature, even though that is what we were told to do. So what happens if we instead try to set a fighting it and dominating it, if we work with it, this is why I talk about the maroons and fugitives. Mm -hmm. I know Trisha's Hershey's next book. She said on her IG, we'll focus on the maroons, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading with my patrons. Um, we're starting Liam Penham's Black Earth Wisdom. She's the one, um, she's a co-founder um, co of Soul, Farm, Soul Fire Farm up in upstate New York. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She got a brand new book out, um, Earth Wisdom, Earth Black Earth Wisdom, which I'm really excited to get into with folks because, I mean, uh, Alexis Pauline Gums' work talks about this a lot in the in the, in the animals and the in the fauna. People will say Adrian Marine Brown's work, right, with emergent strategy. But I think what we're seeing is that when you work with and through Indigenous and Black knowledges, right. There is a whole different system and a whole different language that we have access to, and also a whole different set of co-conspirators, Yes, right? Because nature has always conspired for our freedom. Yes. That's why they boundary it out so much. That's why, we, that's why they won't even allow us to really be able to work the, and work with the land how we want, yes. right? Yes. They, they, the, the fucking seeds, right? You can't plant this. They will, they will, all of this stuff is spiritual warfare, y'all. Yes. Right. That's the spiritual warfare. Get out of that Harry Potter shit. And we also got to stop using the European imagination for what magic is and yeah. what all this other stuff is. Right. Like you were saying earlier, because that's not magic. Right. I can't even read here. I'm going to go on a tangent. I couldn't even read Harry Potter. I tried to read Harry Potter 18 times. Right. I couldn't get past chapter four. I was like, yo, abusing this boy. Mm -hmm. like, 
like I, I have a bad problem as a child, as a lot of abuse in my childhood. Like I can't. And then, then you put him back. Like you knew he was getting abused. He went to school and then you had him go back. Yep. I literally said this to my sister. Yeah. I love the movies and I love the books, but as an adult, I like, I was like, wait a minute, you're letting him go to his abusive family. Like, yeah. And my ex-husband liked all that shit too. And I was like, I couldn't. And so I tried to read it to my kid, right? Think of me. Not even my kid was like, Mama, I don't like this. Like, I, was like, I was like, you are my child. Baby, I don't like this yeah. shit either. Right. And I tried. They tried. We tried to watch. I couldn't even watch the movie. And I didn't realize what was going on. This is before I even had the language. I just think there was a way that for me, and as I think also I worked in trio programs and I had to work with students who were homeless, who lost parents, who were abused. And there was no goddamn way I was going to let them go back to their homes in the summertime. Like we moved hell and high water to make sure they had funding or housing somewhere else, right? You don't bring a child. And I consider young people children because they never got a childhood, right? You don't bring children back into their abuse and then wonder why they come back out fucked up. Yeah. You know? And then, so that's, that's our imagination. Yeah. Right. So, and we're also fed the imagination and the fantastical. It's nothing more than regurgitated medieval European history, which is nothing but violence. Literally. Right. It's Literally. like, damn, y'all can't got yeah. no other stories. Yeah. Y'all, like, y'all really don't have no one. All y'all know is violence and destruction. And then yeah. someone's going to come out on top. Right. This is some boring and violent ass shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even this idea is going, I'm going back to Neptune because my, my fifth house is ruled by Pisces. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> So going back to, and it's what I see is too. So, um, so there is a way that like, when we're talking about storytelling and story making, even the construction of stories is what we're fed mostly through a Western understanding of it. So the hero, the hero story, right? There has to be a hero and villain. So there's yeah. already an embedded binary in these stories. So going back to the founding fathers, of course, we're going to get fed back their story as the heroes versus the villains, because that is the construction of storytelling and story making through a European lens. Mm -hmm. That is not the only, this is why when you read, um, uh, different types of, of black and, um, diasporic authors, when you read indigenous authors, when you read Asian authors from all the different regions of what we call Asia and sub and sub, um, subcontinent of Asia, there is a complete different storytelling and story making time is different. It's yeah. more circular. You go back and forth, right? It's not necessarily cut and dry as villain and, mm -hmm. um, and hero, mm -hmm. right? Maybe okay. everybody fucked up. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> a little fucked up. Everybody has both light and dark. Yep. Right? Yeah. So that's a whole, and then, and then guess what? Those stories are considered not as sophisticated, right? right. They're considered not as literature. I can't, y'all, listen, y'all. I can't read that shit tried to read that Emily Bronte I was like what the hell is this shit I tried I, I'm Adele I tried like I tried yeah. I can do it I fuck some Mary Shelley Frankenstein I can but then even Frankenstein yeah. even those writers were different right they yeah. were playing with understandings of that they were also high as hell and, and you know acid and shit you know <laughs> hanging out but you know like it was a different yeah. genre mm -hmm. right so I think that it's I, I really do believe right now with Pluto in Capricorn going into Aquarius, but also with what's been going on in Pisces for so long. And then Neptune, there's a, something I read once where it says any planets that transit into Neptune are kind of a cleansing for them, almost like a head wash. Oh, I like and, that. I like yeah. that. And it makes sense because again, I think Saturn's tired. It's like, bitch, I'm tired. I need to clean, yeah. right? So now they're getting cleansed and it's having us in Aries going to be what are the new things we're enacting? But for me, what is the new kind of dreaming via storytelling? Who are the mm -hmm. stories we're going to actually tell? How do we tell them? 
Can we disrupt time? That's why I talk about time so much. Can we disrupt time sets of time? Yeah. Can we allow ourselves to, um, to play in ways that allow us to bring those imaginations into the public, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have new ways of, I think we're going to have new ways of art, new ways of, of kind of the films we watch, right? I really want to get into documentaries. I took a documentary making class. Like I really feel myself going much more into creative ways as I get older. And I think it's, it's, and it's weird because I never thought I would, but it also makes the most sense. I've got four planets in the 12th house in Libra. It's fucking four of them. Oh, I nice. can't escape this shit, you know? So what happens if we allow ourselves to actually, instead of trying to force, right? Do what Trisha is telling us and rest resistance, doing what other organizers have said for a long time, something that I really believe in too. What if we allow ourselves to actually take our time back and truly bring rest in as an active part of our resistance making, mm-hmm. right? There's a way that then we can start to see new things, but because we are kept in this forefront of always having to be on, and right now we do have to be more on because we have to we have to wade through the waters of the of the right. kind of propaganda we're fed. But even in all of that, you still have to rest, right? Yes. Right. But are you arresting or are you disassociating? And that's why some of these some of these folks pissed me off with my, one of my TikToks said they were, when I said that when V was under the desk, um, had told people just to go off for their mental oh health. Oh my God. I fucking lost my shit. I lost my shit because she knew good and God, they, excuse me, they knew good and goddamn well what they were doing, right? That is a slippage. You are buying into a corporate understanding of mindfulness. That is nothing more than disassociation tied to whiteness. Yes. But who can, who got the most up in arms, white folks? Well, I got all these, I'm disabled. You ableist. I said, first of all, you assume that I ain't got my own shit. A bitch is fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm fucked up and I because I'm fucked up I realize how easy it is to disassociate so that you think that ain't gonna come here so in the beginning we also have to use some discernment y'all is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. we I, I'm gonna say this with love I say this with love we gotta grow the fuck up yeah okay we gotta grow the fuck up and you grow up by actually coming into your humanity Mm-hmm. right? That's how you grow up. You realize that you have to take responsibility. And when people say that they think it is a negative, no, that should be a sense of empowerment. Mm-hmm. No one is going to save you. Mm-hmm. No one will save you. No one ever saved us. Nope. Ever. So if ever. we realize no one ever saved us and the people they tried to kill are still here, we haunt the walls, we haunt the yeah. spaces, we haunt the land, then that should give you some damn impetus and some drive to be like, bitch, I can save me. Yes. Right. But you got to believe you. So this idea, you know, of disassociating and seeing my mental health and all this other stuff, it's like, no, you don't, you're, 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 you're centering on your, what will make you be okay with this moment versus understanding and leaning into the discomfort that is trying to break you from the hold of something that will come for you next. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We can't, like I said before, we only do selfish, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's centering your comfort because it makes you uncomfortable to know that you are complicit in the suffering of others because yeah. that is humanity, humanity and spirituality, which again, I don't know how spirituality was co-opted as like self-care, but it is when you feel like your spiritual center, you feel other people. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Like I'm an empath. I'm a highly sensitive person. I don't need to know the geopolitics of this. I know that there are people suffering, period. Yeah. yeah. And the and the reason why and the story behind the justification is too familiar. 
Yes. It's right. Just, it's yeah. story. It like repeated, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I just so, wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to go back. You said so many amazing things in that stream of consciousness. And so for those of those of the people who are listening and they want to start because I sometimes catch myself even in this storytelling from the very Western mind, right? And I have a deep ancestry that I'm just starting my journey into tapping into. Um, what have been some pathways for you to do that and start seeing things in a different way? In terms of working with ancestors or just in general of shifting? Storytelling, because mm. there, there is this amazing quote that I'm going to get it wrong. It says, we will always glorify the hunter because yes. we've never heard the lion's story. And I think now it's the lion's turn. Yeah. But how do you even start to begin that journey? Because I really do believe the next Pluto and Aquarius thing is us telling our stories. And by us, I mean, people of the global majority where you said like our, this is death justice. Like we're telling the stories of our ancestors, but how can we start going on that journey? If we're still indoctrinated into this Western colonial mind? Yeah, that's a good question. For me, there's a couple of different ways you can do it, right? Um, I really do think that we don't understand sometimes the power of 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 literature, of stories, like of, of books, but also of music, right? Mm -hmm. And I say this, I tell people all the time to make yourself playlists. Make yourself playlists based on the emotion you have. Right. So I work with anger a lot because I'm, I'm ruled by fire, literally, in all aspects, in fire and water. And my fucking fire is in water. So <laughs> all a bitch can do is feel. So, um, so I, I say start with playlists, right? Start with a song. So let's say it's, let's say it's anger or fear. Fear is a good one. Make a playlist of songs that are, that to you talk about fear. Okay. And put at least 10 deep. And in doing that, I want you to actually listen to the lyrics as they go through, right? This is a process of deep listening to self. And what is this? What are the lyrics trying to tell you, right? There's, there's, ways, that, there's ways that both our ancestors, but also the stories of the land are constantly speaking. They just need to have a modality that you can hear and listen through right? So whatever you are drawn to with those songs, and when you actually listen, there's going to be messages there that are going to help you figure out where to go to next. Excuse me, the same with books. Who are you reading? I always ask this, folks, who are you reading, right? If you ever, and if you do read, right, who do you read? Or who do you listen to? If you listen to podcasts, who are you listening to? And it's not this genuflecting of, and like folks love to do this, I don't listen to BIPOC. Yeah, but do you, are you consuming or are you listening? That's a big difference, right? So who are you reading and who are you listening to? And I would ar argue that you need to read the kind of stories that um, make you both uncomfortable, but also take you on a different ride. Like where you're like, I don't know where the hell this is going because it's not this kind of A plus B plus C, right? You yeah. need to disrupt time. Part of this is you have to disrupt the concept of time that you are beholden to. Mm -hmm. Just because we are in the present moment does not mean this is progress. Just because we have more technology does not mean that we have progressed. We just have more advanced technology. So we are not, so you have to disrupt time itself. And this is where I love the work 
the the work of Toni Morrison does as well. But honestly, there and I can't. Of course, I go blank as soon as I start talking. Um, but there are a few different authors that and there's a couple of honestly really great indigenous authors. I just don't have the damn books on front of me. Um, Octavia Butler's work is always going to disrupt time. Kindred mm -hmm. is something that will always has always like taken my breath away from the first line of Kindred. Right. I really do like N.K. Jemison's How Long Till Black Future Months, which is a set of short stories that um, really play with concepts of technology, society, morality, justice, and all the like. We have to, you have to break your mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, y'all, you have got to break your mind. The only way you're going to break your mind is through the creative process. Oh, okay. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. That's why they stole your rest. They stole your creativity. That is a spiritual thing. That is a spiritual warfare because that is your ashe. That is your power. So you have to lean back into the creative. And that's what makes people uncomfortable. So if you don't like to read, that's okay. I want you to start coloring. I want you to start drawing. I want you to start to get out your fear and your anger. Mm. Because you have to hear yourself. The only way you're going to connect back to your humanity as a way to kind of disrupt where we are is if you actually face yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is where I, and I wrote a Substack article on this, but I'll say this, you got to take yourself to the underworld, not hell. Hell is a construct of, of power to get you to be docile and fearful. So you step in fetch and be of service so that you think that the only way you're supposed to be here is to quote unquote, be right, be authoritative, you know, be aligned so that you go to a higher self. That ain't, that don't make no damn sense. Y'all. I want y'all to really sit back and think about it. They'll make no work kind of creator. That is a ghetto ass creator. What you mean that I got to sit here? What, what? How good are you there? What are you talking about? God, what are you talking about? Right? Yeah. Damn sense, right? Every, then everything's a demon. Shit. Everything. So the thing is, when people are talking about everything being a demon, then you need to listen. You need to listen. Believe it. So they're telling you that everything about you is demonic. So then, how is that creator all good and all knowing and all powerful and and just is and is, and is perfect when he keeps making imperfect shit? Yeah, you messed it up. Make no damn sense, right? Come on now. So push it to the side, but yeah. you have to go to the underworld. Yes, Pluto. Pluto, you have to go to the underworld. And if you don't want to go there, you will eventually have to face yourself. So I also tell people this, as you are doing these things, I, I tell people, take get a mirror and look at it and keep looking at yourself and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. Right, you have got to face yourself in order to figure out who the hell you are so that you can figure out who you're going to be with, right? There is no collective until there are selves, not individuals, but selves. You have got to be a self that can be with other selves so that you can be in community. And we have, again, so it's going back to the art and creativity, right? Mm -hmm. I also say that um, there is a great online magazine called Electric Marinage that is got some great stories of fugitives and fugitivities and maroons, right? You need to read the stories. Always ask yourself, whose perspective of history are you drawing upon, mm -hmm. right? So if you already know the story from the perspective of those who quote unquote won, where's the stories then of those that they were, that were required to till the land in order for that win, mm. right? Who are you? Who are you? Who's not part of this conversation? Right. And that's the thing. And when you're too afraid to ask that question, don't tell me that they ain't no, there's a plenty of the one thing them colonizers did is write some shit down. Okay? <laughs> a lot of stuff. In a lot of shit. Right. They told yeah. on their whole asses. Oh, yes. Okay. Like there's a whole ass archive, y'all. Right. So like 
who, but what, like who's missing? I always ask the question, who's missing from the conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so if you start to look to see who's missing from the conversation, so the whole uh, Pluto and Aquarius thing coming back to that, the revolution is, well, Haiti's missing. Mm-hmm. Even with Haiti, how are, who, how are you, how, what is the lens in which you are understanding Haiti through? right? Is it from the French or is it from the Haitian? Even then, is it from, and then within that, is it only men you're listening to happen to the women and children? Yeah. Right. Michelle M. Wright's work, um, her book, Visits of Blackness, does a great job of asking these questions. Is one example in which he uses, talks of time, play, talks about the idea of the epifamilial time of the now and how when she was herself trying to go back, she was asking these questions and she realized a lot of, even the, even the kind of stories of those who were subjugated were still told through men. So when, so when you go to the women, yeah. right, they also they actually do somewhat become kind of lost in the record because they are conglomerated upon as service workers, right? So then you mm-hmm. start to even get more out, even the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. the place of women and queer folks, where are the queer people? Y'all, people are queer. <laughs> okay, for a long ass time, right? That is not like... <laughs> Like, come on now. Like, you probably queer too, shit. Like, and you have you ever asked the question, right? Listen, I know yes. I didn't come out till 40, so I'm with y'all, right? Okay, but guess what? I love me a woman. So, like, there mm-hmm. is a way that, that that also, that was actually a big point of me. That's actually a big turning point as well. When I finally asked that question, right? I say this with love, everybody. I didn't ask myself these questions, right? I can intellectualize the hell out of anything if you ain't realized yet. doesn't mean that you actually then turn it on to yourself. So when I asked myself the question finally after my fucking brain broke during that whole beginning of the eclipse season of Scorpio and Taurus, right? That's when it kept coming in. Bitch, are you gay? Right? (laughs) And then I finally said, I think I might be, right? And then I said, yeah, I am. That shattered everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about the sexual attraction. It was about the fact that I was trying to fit into heteronormativity and I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hate every aspect of it. I hated the family structure. It was, it was so isolating, even in supposed community with other folks who had kids, it was still individual. We need to stop this community shit because half the time people are too afraid to ask folks for help because they don't want to either be talked about or seen as being in need right? While also trying to perform this idea of service. We need to abolish the concept of the family because the nuclear family does nothing but keep us separate from one another, keep us isolated, keep us moving across locations and and, and places, and then supplementing our job is somehow community. Then work folks are not your damn community because the minute something happens does not mean that they're actually going to be there. That's a harsh truth. That is a harsh reality that we are facing right now as people are getting sanctioned for actually speaking their mind. And getting fired, yeah. Getting fired, right? And then so once you are fired and blackballed, who is your community? And listen, I understand because that's what happened to me. And I say that shit hurts, it hurts, but it was also a big ass reality check, Mm -hmm. right? Because I didn't have it before. I thought it was, but it wasn't. I wasn't even allowed to show up for myself. And when I actually said that I was struggling, when I actually said that this marriage was breaking me before I even realized I was gay, Mm -hmm. I ain't like that man for a long time, okay? (laughs) I'm gonna be real honest with you. I couldn't stand his racist ass family, right? But I was also groomed, as many of us are, to be focused on having a husband, right? Having a partner and that was success. Not my PhD, my marriage, Mm -hmm. right? And so I went with the first person who basically didn't try to beat my ass, if I'm being really honest. And it happened to be a white man, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I didn't, his family couldn't, his family couldn't, I couldn't stand the racist asses. Right. But then when I would go to other folks, even other women of color and black women, they're like, well, he loves you. He's there. He cooks. 
The bar is in hell. That is hell, y'all. Hell the is bar's in hell. Low. Yeah. The bar, the ain't no damn bar at this point. Shit. You know, basically it's like, can you breathe and got some money coming in? That is not, that is not a damn partner, y'all. Okay. Is it why you got a pulse and a half a pulse of that? Because you're gonna take care of their ass when they get older, right? Come on now. Like, can we abolish this idea of relationships and yeah. because we're not even really real? Yeah. We're not even real, right? And we call that community. Yeah. So I think when we come, as I lost my train of thought here, but when we come back to all of this, right, um, with the sign of Pluto, with Pluto and the stories we tell, this is about how we break it is that we have to allow ourselves to um, come into a creative practice, which means that we have to ask the question of who's, who's like music do we not listen to? Whose literature do we not, whose stories, whose perspectives are we not actually asking about? And right. what happens if we ask the question, well, what about, I always wonder, what about the children? Mm-hmm. I really do wonder about this a lot. Like the idea of childhood and children, especially in that plantation and after when you had to know so young, right, that there was a difference in how you were, how you understood, who you were, right? there, and, the, and what does it mean to know that at a young age, you have to bow your head or you have to move off the sidewalk when a white person comes, right? So this idea that the children are too young or too innocent to learn history is bullshit, right? Because history is children having to navigate these systems, is children having to integrate schools while you have people shouting and throwing things at them. But then your child is somehow innocent. You are not protecting your child, y'all. You are going to make them hate you when they get older and have to face a harsh reality of what actually the society is. They're going to look at your ass and be like, oh, so you like that too. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what you're showing them, that you're complacent. And they think these generations below us, because millennials basically went to therapy shit, you know, and it had we, every two years, we got a life earth crisis going on, right? <laughs> I think because we fucking tired, right? And we telling some more truths. Yeah. The kids behind us are like, we don't want to do that shit. Yeah. You know, y'all, 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 y'all a hot mess. I mean, like we're going to take your style because, you know, we ain't got our own right now, but mm-hmm. y'all, y'all are a mess right now. Right. And they are every right to say that because we are, mm-hmm. but in the mess, we have to be a mess. Yes. Right. We have to be a mess because this is not, and going back to comfort, this is not comfortable, y'all. Y'all are not comfortable. Mm -hmm. This is familiarity and it is stagnation. This is not comfortability. This is familiarity and stagnation. And it is fed back to us as the only way, right? So you can only find a different way if you allow yourself to actually create. So this is going the other thing. Not everybody's going to come along and everybody wants to. Right. And that's another harsh reality. There are collectives, not one collective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Pluto and Saturn are trying to tell our asses. Like, listen, not everybody gonna come along because there are different ways. There's a duality to this. Yes. Right. There's there's a duality. And the idea of conformity in any way is not actually helpful because there has to be a diversity of the ways that we engage in life. But we cannot allow one system to dominate over all of land and life. And that's what's happening globally, right? We got fed globalization as somehow um, the new wave. I, did, I had to do a lot of study on globalization and migration for um, the foundations of my PhD to understand nation and race and citizenship and empire. And the kind of ways globalization, especially in the early 2000s, y'all, that you have to remember that shit was like cutting edge and there was it was nonstop pumping out around the age of globalization, the kind of what, you know, what, uh, the promises it has, the kind of yeah. global community, right? Fucking United Coast of Benetton and shit. Remember that, y'all? Yes, I did. 
I do. Multiculturalism, right? That was a whole Britain. Britain, Britain literally recampaigned itself. Y'all want to talk about a nation camp re, um, re uh, doing a PR stunt? Yeah. England we rebranded the 90s and 2000s multicultural britain multicultural britain had a whole um southeast asian per- woman with uh with her hijab in the british flag right yeah. and then what happened 9 11 hit they turned that shit around they they enacted some they of the like surveillance they yeah. literally when y'all want to look at some fucked up surveillance look at the policies and procedure and policies and laws of the uk particularly around citizenship and rights of abode you will see some things right and so there's a way that we have to realize that we are in societies that need us to limit our creativity and to only see the his lens of history through their lies and astrology is giving us permission to say that that is not the only way and also to blow it up yes but are we ready to do that that's the question and it's happening whether we like it or not. It's it's just a matter. I I loved your uh, stream of consciousness because what I got from that was you have to allow the breaking to happen. You yep. have to allow the chaos energy to happen. And I think you spoke about this in one of your eclipse videos, how there are all these astrologers that talk about don't manifest on the eclipse, but it's chaos energy, essentially. And in order for us to create something different we have to i'm a visual person so i'm just seeing it as like a breaking apart mm-hmm. like an earthquake like a chaos everything has to kind of fly in the air and within that we have to remember our own internal compass who we yes. are remember who we are our role understand your own natal chart understand your human design what is your piece of the puzzle that you're adding to this because again everyone keeps asking what do i do now what should i be posting what should i be doing and it's like you got to figure that out on your own like what yeah. is your also ancestry the historical context yes. of what brought you here that's how i started yes i started by healing my own childhood trauma of domestic violence, family violence, and then asking like, why was my father like that? Like, what the heck? And working with my ancestors and finding out, oh, my, my ancestors were colonized too. Yes. That's the thing. Like for them, you know, of course they only know violence because they had their names taken away from them, their language, their land. They were also dehumanized. Uh, And so, of course, like my father is going to have a violent understanding of this world. Yes. And so how does that also play into the bigger context of this world of what's happening today? The U.S. was involved, all these OG cultures. And so then you start to understand, oh, I play a bigger I'm play a bigger role in the bigger collective mm-hmm. through my own ancestry. Yes. And this is where we have to play with time, right? Because our ancestors are long and deep. We have a lot of them. So this is why when you're first going into the ancestral work and ancestral remembering and veneration, you I, good spiritual should tell you this, right? You always want to work with your elevated ancestors for your highest good. And there's a reason for that because exactly what you said, Laura, there are some of our ancestors who are only known colonization, right? And that also means some of our ancestors did not face themselves in death. You have to face your, whether you, if you don't want to face yourself in life, 
life, baby, you're going to face your shit and death. And if you don't want to face your shit and death, then you're going to be walking around here like a walking dead, bumping into walls and shit, trying to yeah. get people to do stuff, right? Yeah. This is oh. why I tell folks, don't be going to any any tarot reader if they don't yeah. understand who they're working with. Uh, messages from your uncle who that motherfucker ain't done a damn thing except die and realize, oh, he can do some other things now because he ain't got a body, so he got a spirit. He's like, listen, let's just, why don't you go ahead and run that number from the girl? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they yes. nothing to do with you. It's for them. So you have to be, you, this is where you do have to begin the spiritual warfare, right? So when we realize that there's a way that I argue, and others have too, um, that we're also awakening the primordials, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We're really awakening ancient lines mm-hmm. who know something very different, but also have to be called to the table. Again, there are, there are kind of rules to this shit, right? But there are loopholes. Yes. So when you say elevated ancestors, they like, bitch, we got this. They can loophole it in. They're right at that table. Right. And that kind of messaging and knowledge of more recent folks who have faced themselves, who are elevating and who also are about that life, along with the primordials who have been about that life because they they this is some bullshit. Right. There's a way that we have to have those kind of voices at our spiritual court, I say, even before you get to even before you get to the kind of primordial beings who are not human, whether you call them Marisha, Loa or gods or God, whatever those people are. Right. Those entities are. The humans enough are, are really enough for you if that's all, if that's what you want to focus on, right? Because they have a breadth and depth of knowledge and they're also connected anyway to them based upon your bloodline. But what it will do is they will force you to break because they're trying to get to you and they you can't hear them until you come into your humanity. Yes. You can hear them until you come into your body. Right. Because they, they, because they are in your blood. Right. That's the one thing them damn Jesus got right. Body and blood of Jesus. Right. That because he was an ancestor. Okay. They are in your blood. In your body. But how can you hear them if you won't even hear yourself? Mm-hmm. If you are afraid of your own emotions, emotions are not wrong. Your emotions are not wrong. They are human. Right. There's a way that, but then what, who told you emotions were wrong? Patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right, the structure of patriarchy told you emotions were wrong, and that actually hurts men almost worse than it does anybody else because then they become the inoculators and thinking that's what a man is. No, it's not, y'all. That is not a man. Yeah. That is a coward. Mm-hmm. Right? When you don't want to allow yourself to feel, when you and let me tell you something, y'all. If your moon sign is in a fire sign, bitch, you are emotional. <laughs> Not, it is not water, water, it is water, fire, right? Because the passion is fueled by an inherent bodily need to express, mm-hmm. right? And when you don't express yourself, which is our creativity, when you don't get it out, it comes in and it bottles up. And that's when we become things like depressed. And this when we come feel heavy. This is when we feel like we have to disassociate, right? In order to keep going. When you disassociate from your body, when your spirit is outside of your body, there is no way for you to hear spirit then. Right. Hence spiritual warfare capitalism. It mm. needs you sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Cause if you actually believed yourself and you actually started hearing some shit or feeling some shit or realizing some stuff, right. Then you might move differently. Yes. So this is where the ancestors are revolutionaries at heart because they're telling you the only way you're going to be able to live baby is actually living. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a big part of it is. And so they, they, that are loud and they're here. They're not going anywhere. But the thing is, if we don't work with them, they're going to find somebody else to work with. They w- Because this is this is not it, right? Because you said earlier, Pluto within these Saturn ruled signs, right, is telling us that the dead are literally awakened. Mm-hmm. They awakened during Capricorn. So now they're going to start talking through Aquarius. 
Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah. Right. And what you said about um, the fire moon, I honestly think with all of the moon signs and what you said about creativity, if you don't have a channel to like express your creativity, whether it's like you're an air moon, which is speaking or, or talking, orating, singing, water moons, expression through whatever water signs do cry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a water moon. Um, and like fire creation or like, you know, exercising a channel to get it out. Yeah. That is honestly where people feel like they've been off their path. They've been off. Yes. Their they've been off their you know, game or they feel stuck. You have to find a channel, everybody, some way. Yes. Out. Yes. And that's why, and that really is why the body is magical, right? We are all actually very magical beings, but again, we got magic, got co-opted in that again, that kind of fantastical Harry Potter European way, because it also makes it seem as if it is fantastical outside of us. The fantastical and the magical are not necessarily the same, right? We all have magic, but we have to come into ourselves to tap in to figure out what our quote unquote kind of power is, right? And get this y'all. Not all y'all are priests and priestesses, okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to it's be okay. a person. It's okay. Y'all don't want that shit. I wish somebody would tell me to or be a shaman. I'm not doing, y'all, do you know how much work that is? Do you know how much work that is? Like, I barely want to pray over some herbs to take a bath, right? I will pay somebody for some damn spiritual work, okay? Yes. That is some work. Y'all yes. need... So this is, this is the thing, like you can't be everything. This is the whole point of community, y'all. Mm -hmm. This is the whole point. When you look at different systems of organizing and kinship, you see that the ways that kinship systems and other societies are set up were so that you had people who had different kind of like basically traits or different kind of skill sets, right? So that, you know, listen, if I, quite frankly, listen, I want to fuck somebody up. I need to go to so-and-so who knows how to work with the herbs this way. I ain't doing it. I'm going to go somebody else. They're going to make sure it's okay to do because you're going to some protection. I'm going to go here. If I'm over here. I'm realizing, okay, you know, actually like I need some paths open up to kind of make some things grow on my land. I'm going to go over here, right? There's a way that we, then that, what, what does that do? That builds community. Yeah, mutual aid. <laughs> It's mutual aid, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the thing too. You don't have to do everything y'all, mm -hmm. but you do have to figure out what your thing is. Yes. I right? not, not everybody is a priestess. God damn. I'm like, how many priests are there now? Shit. Well, <laughs> you didn't know doctor. They are the witches that they are the daughters of the, the granddaughters of the witches. They didn't burn. If you didn't know. It just... <laughs> And the whole thing is, you know, and I get it. I know a lot of people quote, like, I think it's Sylvia Feder Feder Federici. Yeah, Federici. Um, you got to put her stuff in context. She's talking about Europe, y'all. Mm -hmm. Right? You come over to America, there's a whole different context. Like, the, yeah, there is the kind of idea of the witches and stuff. But let's be real. Half of y'all were not witches. Your people were not witches. They were the ones who were the gossipers in, the, in these towns, making sure that people stepped in fetch and came in line because they were suppressed by their men. Mm -hmm. okay and then what happens you put that shit down into the enslaved people and those who you felt you could dominate over yeah which is right the salem with witch trials literally yeah right that is literally what it is so even even so that's a good that's a great point laura honestly people can re-examine that right mm -hmm. re-examine that and the thing is this is where people if you are identify as white all right and that's kind of white womanhood you got to realize that the construction of white womanhood, particularly in the modern era, is meant for you to be an accomplice in your own subjugation. 
Mm-hmm. And have you become the conduit to be the surveillance of others? And it is very deadly and dangerous, not only for those around you, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because then as you get older, you become less of use. This is why you have such bitterness of Karens and all the kind of Karen gender. No, you got used and washed up because white patriarchy requires you to be a certain aesthetic and a certain look. And it will always be disposable because it's always looking for the youngest thing, mm-hmm. right? That is a structural thing. So instead of taking that anger and placing it upon other populations, right, because you feel you can have domination over them, you need to realize that that is a structure meant to get get you to continue to birth and then train the next patriarch, Mm -hmm. right? So what happens if you stop the system of training the next patriarch, Mm -hmm. right? My friend said she's a Black woman. She said it's like passive income. It's like passive patriarchy. It really is, right? So white women do it. Yeah. Just let it, right? And so that's not helping anything. So there's a way that when I talk about facing yourself, right? And you have to face and look at yourself. And if you start to engage with ancestors, you might realize you don't like some of the motherfuckers. Yeah. Right. And that's okay because not everybody, there's a way that this is where discernment comes in, but you can't be discerning if you have embraced this kind of love and light. I'm just talking to angels. Baby, angels don't even like humans. <laughs> Do y'all read that shit? Like I had to read that stuff. They don't even like humans. They said, God, these are so <laughs> raggedy ass mofos. Why do you keep giving them all this stuff? And God yeah. said, well, I made them. I got it. So I made them. And the higher angels are like, we don't even like these fools. Get <laughs> you working with the angels. Yeah. Like, come on now. I want us to start to realize that we have to come back into ourselves so that we can activate Mm -hmm. those aspects of our bodies. And one of them is discernment so that we are working with the other side because sacred and mundane is always in a relationship. Mm -hmm. We really know who we're working with, right? In my episode, I think it was like six or seven. I talked about, I think it was six where I had to cut off my white line, Mm -hmm. right? I was working with both of them. I thought we cool. And then I realized, and then my aunt, my grandmama on my mama's side was like, these motherfuckers ain't shit, y'all. Like, and they weren't. They weren't. I had, listen, y'all. I had an ancestor come down during a Misa, a black, which is a white mass, right? And the white mass, it was all black folks and a couple of Latino, Latinx folks, right? I'm not, they, they weren't necessarily Afro Latina. So that's why I'm saying Latinx folks too. And we're in there, and you know, it's, it's actually online because it was during the lockdowns. And, you know, someone comes in, they were like, is somebody got a white, is somebody half white here? And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> and they were like somebody susan now i susan had come out before and with when i was talking with one of my old colleagues mm-hmm. who's a very talented oracle and so she was like there's somebody named susan here i didn't know many of the names right so i was learning the names this is a long time ago and um she was like i think she said susan england she's like you have an english ancestor susan like she's like it's like 10 generations back i said bitch i don't know so i went to ancestry.com because you know white folks can they got them ants and genealogies tracing back mm-hmm. everywhere I looked that shit up. Sure enough, Susan, 1600. She was right there. Wow. I'm like, okay, hi, Susan, right? So remember, I lived in England for two years. So I was actually on the soil of of the the white side, okay? So so she comes into this Misa. This woman said, she didn't tell me, you know, so-and-so Nikki do this or blah, blah, blah. She said, what about me? I don't, you haven't put any, any tea with sugar on the altar lately. When I say, I said, excuse me, I literally said, excuse me. And I think, I'm like, you embarrassing me too in front of these. And so that's when I had to have, but I needed that, right? This is my people. I'm hard-headed, y'all. I'm hard-headed. 
hard-headed, whether I know it or not, right? And so I, they, I, I learned this later. My great grandma was like, Nikki, you said we had, you, you, you had to see it, right? There was a way that there was no other way we could under kind of get it through. And I looked at her and I was like, what the, I said, what the fuck do you mean? I literally, when I say I am about that, they had every week I am putting shit on flowers, food, coffee, shit, like all this stuff. And I'm sitting there like, what are you talking about? So then afterwards, right. Did some other work with some with some people who were more um, trained in the in, in, in egun, and I realized something. My whole life, I had because they hadn't faced themselves, they weren't fully elevated, mm-hmm. right? They were literally sucking off of me. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. So keeping my mind bounded. Why am I? In, why I thought I had to be in institutions, right? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be a writer, but it was this idea. I always told myself, I don't want to be seen. I just want to be listened to or or read about. And my grandma was like, what the fuck you mean you don't want to be seen? Bitch, you are Leo's son with the North Node there, yeah. the 10th house. What are you talking about, <laughs> right? I wish you would, right? And so there was a way, because of that, I realized, oh, wait a minute. Not all y'all motherfuckers are for me. My best and highest good. Okay, well, let me rearrange my court. And so I said, I will only work with my maternal line who are here for my best and highest good. And that includes the primordials. Okay, mm-hmm. along with the uh, um, Orisha and my guides, and that was also too because I have some black ancestors. I had one that was I have fucked up stories, y'all. I'm not gonna lie, this shit took me on a ride. So then I'm working with the Haitian Hugon, right, and his and his godfather. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there trying to get down. Then then the black folks came down, right? My grandfather, who ain't shit, um, who was also heavily abusive, right? But I had blocked that out. He was misdirecting and giving false information, saying that my black line didn't want to be with me and that all this other stuff until my grandmama came in and knocked, literally knocked shit over and said, take your ass over there. Wow. So I had to literally, so there is ways that this idea of internal, listen, they, they used to be human. So they going to be human when they, when they all cross over. Okay. We need to realize that. That's why you got to, that's why you got to face yourself y'all. That's why you got to look at them scales. When you go outside of the Abrahamic face, when you die, how many indigenous cultures y'all love Egypt so damn much. They talk about the scales. Okay. You got to face yourself in one way, shape or form. And if you go to a certain house and then you literally review your life, right? There's these concepts of having to review so that you accept what you have done and are able then to, then if you got to do some stuff, it's like school over there, you refigure and figure it out. Right. So I'm saying all that to say, when I got clear about who the hell's work with, <laughs> my court is one there for my best and highest good. And it is, it is my black line that is very dark, not dark, deep in nature, that is heavily connected to the land. I've had, my whole line is, does this kind of spirituality through scholarship in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. They were the astrologers. They were the herbalists. They were the ones um, who also were about that life too. So they didn't necessarily, and I had to learn this the hard way. My grandma was kind of getting me to say, she's like, listen, you're not necessarily going to be in this kind of these big communities. She's like, you're not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Our line is not for everybody. So you got to be okay being alone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but well, that's ghetto. Um, <laughs> I talk, how I talk to y'all, so I'll talk to them. <laughs> but then she was like, but well, once you get clear, those who are for you will be. So like, it's not even that, like I'm thinking about myself. No, I'm also like heavily, I like I've got four planets in the 12th house, but it's in Libra. Like, and my Venus is there. There's a way that like, I do want to be in my fucking moons in Taurus in the seventh house. Come on now. Like 
I want to be with people. And I, but also I make people feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had to understand what that meant because then I had to ask myself, and am I feeling good? Right. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like, I got to feel good then so that you can be in my space with me. And I'm realizing that's how I have to form community. Mm -hmm. Right. But then we have to figure out what is community for us is ourselves. Right. But are we ourselves? And so again, this is where the ancestors can really help when you get clear Mm -hmm. about exactly who you're listening to and why. Right. Thank you for sharing that. That is a... That is such a, well, I was laughing when you first started like bringing your ancestors in because mine are also very sarcastic (laughs) and like, they talk to me like that, like, Laura, get, get your head out of your ass. (laughs) You're stronger than this. And so I was just laughing because I also like, I'm like, okay, fine. My, my, my ancestors, um, also make me do things that trigger people they're yeah. like, do it, do it, you know, because they were also about that life, about the revolutionary life. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to offend anybody. But then they're like, just do it. I'm like, okay. Um, so yes, thank you to the ancestors for our yes. highest good. Was there anything that you wanted to share or bring up before we close? I know we could speak about this forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. We we covered a lot. I think the last thing I guess I will say is that if you take nothing from what our conversation was for folks who are listening is that you have to allow yourself the space to dream. Mm-hmm. But when you start to dream and you haven't done so, don't be surprised if what you're first met with are nightmares. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because we got to face those because that's the fear manifesting. And so the nightmares are also locations that are helping you be able to engage the underworld in the way that might make sense for you so that if you can actually face those nightmares, you will find your light. Okay. Um, I've written about this too, if anyone wants interested, but regardless, if you read about it, I want you to understand the nightmares are there for us to be able to face them. And if you can do that, um, then you will actually figure out what yourself actually needs and wants. And that's going to help you figure out what you do next. Mm, Thank you so much. So Dr. Nicole, you have a Substack, you have a podcast, you have a book club and you're on Instagram and TikTok. Anything else that I'm missing? Um, I think that is, um, and so my, so my book club's actually my Patreon. I shifted it more. So it's more of a, it's more broad than that. So if folks are interested in learning more, please, um, check that out. And I think besides that, also my website, um, I do also do one-on-one work for folks. So I do astrology readings on the column, I call them journey to self. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, do one-on-one coaching for folks in various ways, both executive coaching, but also I do spiritual coaching, um, and, uh, something else. I forgot what the hell it was. Um, but (laughs) as well with that. Um, and also I am available for bookings. I'm looking for, um, folks to be able to work with. Um, if you're looking for a keynote or if people are looking to kind of do any kind of organizational consulting through an abolitionist lens, then I also do that as well. So you can find all the information on my website and how to book with me. Thank you so much. This was such an enlightening conversation. Thank you, Laura, for inviting me. I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you.